And just get your thumbs and fingers limbered up. We're going to be going through the Word a little bit today here. And uh, as I begin to think about the topic for this morning's sermon, uh, uh, we have the holiday season now upon us. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of extra work along with the holiday season, is there not? And oftentimes, there's a lot of extra struggles and different things are brought to our mind. And then that verse out of Psalm 23 comes to mind, He restoreth my soul. I said, boy, you know what? I think I could use a little soul restoration. And then I thought about the... The renewing of our mind, uh, Romans chapter 12, and, and, and renew and restore. And I said, there's got to be another R in there somewhere, and, and uh, redeemed. And so this morning's message is redeemed, restored, and renewed. This, this is what Jesus does. And I promise you, if you're alive this morning, if you have a heartbeat, you're going to be in this sermon somewhere... Uh, maybe more than one point, but I want to start just with a definition. Now, we know the, the standard definition of redeem, to buy back. Uh, I looked it up in the Oxford English Dictionary to just make sure. Definition number one, to buy back. Wow, that's pretty good. And in agreement with the Bible, definition number three says to ransom, liberate, free a person from bondage, captivity, or punishment, to save one's life by paying a, a ransom. And we talk about the redeemed, Galatians 3.13. Why don't we just turn there and we'll start there this morning as... As we begin this, uh, just walk through God's Word looking at these three words. And we're not going to be exhaustive, of course, in our coverage. But Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back. He did so by paying the price for our sins. If you're saved today, what do you need to do? Say amen. And before we move on, I looked up the root word of the word redeemed. That would be the word deemed. And I found an interesting definition here. And I want you to listen very closely. To give or pronounce judgment. To act as a judge, sit in judgment, to give one's decision, sentence, or opinion. Definition number three is to sentence, doom, condemn. Now, truly, we are deemed, are we not? As a sinful person, we are under the judgment of Almighty God. Isn't it true? But Jesus redeemed us. He rewrote the judgment. 
Now, how did he do that? Oftentimes, if you're parked in the wrong spot, you see one of those wonderful servants of New York City quickly approaching your car, and you run. Please don't give me a ticket. Well, they solved that problem now. Uh, They carry a little scanner with them. And once they put that scanner over the barcode on your registration, they cannot ungive the ticket. Uh, Before, in the old days, uh, they're sitting there. As long as they hadn't filled it out completely, you could beg on the mercy of the officer, please, and with tears and don't offer money. That'll get you uh, a one-way trip to Rikers, all right? Uh, but uh, as long as they felt good or whatever, they could stop. But when once that thing's scanned now, ticket's coming, whether you want it or not. And we often think of God the same way we do earthly judges. Oh, God, please be nice to me today. God, I really don't deserve this. That's not redeemed. God took His judgment against us. The Bible calls it here in the verse we just read, the curse of the law. Death passed upon all men for what? All have sinned. That's the curse of the law. God took that curse upon Himself. And Jesus paid the penalty in our place. I would hope and pray that you never get over that. That you never take for granted what has been done because we were deemed doomed under God's judgment, to eternal damnation in the lake of fire. And Jesus literally rewrote the judgment of God by taking it upon Himself. Isn't that such a wonderful thing? You see, Jesus redeemed us. In Revelation, it tells us in chapter 5 that one of the songs we're going to sing in heaven is we're going to sing, Worthy is the Lamb, for He has redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. You know, we we live in a world, and even the Oxford English Dictionary gives the definition here under redeemed as to pay a ransom for one's own life. And yet the Bible tells us when we're talking about our own spiritual eternity, we cannot redeem ourselves. If you would, take your Bibles and let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, that's all the way to the back. If you got to John or Revelation, you're too far. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, Follow carefully in your Bibles as I read out loud. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Do you get that? How many of you lived a portion of your life with your faith and hope in something else? In the things that you did? In the church that you went to? Or maybe the church your grandfather went to? I've met people, they say, well, my... My father was this, and my grandfather was this, and my great-grandfather, and I'm going to be this same. And they just fill in the blank, whatever religion that might happen to be. And I remember one of the saddest testimonies. Some of you might remember Warren years ago. He was a Jewish man, and we would talk for hours on the phone, and finally he came to a conclusion. He said, Pastor, if I admit you're right, I'm... I'm agreeing to the fact that all of my family's in hell. He said, that's kind of hard for me. And I said, I, I do understand what you're saying. I said, but you have to understand one truth. Either God is right and let every man be a liar or you are right, and this book called the Bible is wrong. He says, well, I cannot do that. The Bible is right. And just a little later, he got saved, and we praise the Lord for that. You cannot leave or allow other people's decisions and other people's testimony to defer you from the testimony of the Word of God. Only Jesus could redeem us. Why? Because only God could rewrite His judgment. The word deemed is judgment. It's the doom that is pronounced there. And only God could change that. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad when Jesus redeems us, it is forever. Amen? John chapter 3 verse 15 says that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3:16 say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'll tell you this idea of being redeemed from the Bible is different than any other religion. It is different than anything else. You have to leave it be, everything else behind. In John chapter 6, when the disciples and Jesus had uttered some very difficult words for them to understand... Uh, he asked them, are you going to go away? And it says, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I want you to know that to be redeemed, only Jesus 
can rewrite the judgment of God. And he did that by taking upon him God's judgment for everything that I ever did and that you ever did and that every sinner in all of mankind ever did. Only God could do that. And when he did it, he did it forever. He's never going to redo the work of redemption. In John chapter 10, why don't we take a moment and turn there and and just read a few verses in John chapter 10. As we talk about the redemption, the work that God did to mitigate God's judgment against us, not by sweeping it under the carpet, not by pretending it didn't happen, not by saying, oh, that's okay. He did it by taking every ounce of God's judgment upon himself. And we start in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Here was their response. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. You see, not everybody believed or accepted the redemption that Jesus Christ gives. Jesus offers redemption to all, but you must personally accept it to become part of the redeemed. There must be that time in your life. And Jesus wants to give us His redemption. But He'll only give it to those that ask for it. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power. What was that power? To rewrite the judgment of God against us. To them, to become the sons of God, even to them that what? Believe on His name. That's how simple it is to receive God's redemption. How many would say, Pastor, I just want to say amen. I've received God's redemption. I know I'm saved. Let's hear it. Praise the Lord. That's what we want to do, and we want to know that. But how many of you, after you're redeemed, have struggled with life? Well, if you're alive, get ready. Christianity does not happen by mistake. Uh, It doesn't happen by accident. It's not something you just stumble into, and all of a sudden, everything just happens. In fact, I don't know where that crazy idea came from. Because there's nothing in this life that works that way. Is anything you just... uh, uh, Well, we've been doing a lot of plumbing this week. And so, uh, I I know how to do plumbing. And I've worked on it many years and and, uh, fairly good at it. 
And, uh, but I'll tell you what, it's never the same. Oh, I know how to get rid of clogs or to put the pipe in place. And, and uh, this week I uh, learned how to hook up low water cutoffs on the boilers. And, and so just sitting there putting those things on and all of a sudden the pump kicks in and starts running. And it won't shut off. And I'm sitting there, I call the installer and say, what did I do wrong? He says, turn off the thermostat. Oh, click. Off goes the pump. He said, well, sorry about being so dumb about this. Never done it. He said, don't worry about it. Call me anytime. I, I like people like that. Amen? But we struggle with life. If you play a musical instrument, you don't practice, you lose. You've got to keep it up. And you've got... And, do you think that Bill Gates, even though he's in retirement, has quit working? Absolutely not. He is at different things. He is keeping things running. I mean, these people do not quit. And why do we think that once we get saved, we can quit and just sit on our blessed assurance and everything will happen? No, doesn't work that way. You've got to get busy serving the Lord. You see, that's where the other two words come in. You see, the word restored that means to give back, to make return or restitution. Definition number two, to make amends for, to compensate, to make good a loss or damage. Number three, to build up again, to re-erect or reconstruct, now specifically to repair or to alter a building so as to bring it as nearly as possible to its original form. I like that third definition. We've been living that for nearly two years over at Union. We're trying to restore. Now, why are we trying to restore the building? Because there's an awful lot of things that were lost over there. They were just gone, like the roof, uh, the walls, uh, the floor, uh, the plumbing, the electrical. I mean, there are just a lot of things that were lost. And if you're going to replace something that is lost, the, the biblical word is restore. Psalm 23. What's it say? Verse 3. He restoreth my soul. You know, even though you're redeemed, sin took a lot of things out of your life that should have been there. Isn't that true? Hello? You, you need to be restored. One of the reasons that you, when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in us is because God is restoring us as much as is possible in this life to the image in which man was originally created. You're not born in the image of God completely. Why? Because Adam and Eve both sinned. The day that they sinned, the Bible says that they died. 
Their physical body continued to live. But that part of man, as we were created originally in the image of God, and we understand the image of God to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Amen? How are we in that image? Well, guess what? You have a body. That's like Jesus. But that's not all of you, is it? We're not like the animals. There's more inside of us. You have a living soul inside of you. That's your emotions. That's your thought process. That, that is who you really are. That's what's inside your body. God the Father. But see, God had a spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. When Adam sinned, that part of Adam, the Adam's spirit, died. And Adam no longer had a direct communication with God. That's what it means by our sins, have, our iniquity has separated between us and God. It has cut that line of communication. And when you get redeemed, the Bible tells us that Jesus sends His Spirit to live inside of us. And what does that do? It restores communication between me and God. We lost it. We lost it in Adam. We were born without it. And God restores us. I need my soul to be restored. Turn with me to Galatians uh, chapter 6, if you would. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, just wait here, everybody there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, what's that next word? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I will tell you that this is part of the Christian life, but it's a very dangerous part of the Christian life. Because many people think themselves to be spiritual when they're not. How many of you have ever had somebody help you, quote-unquote, To be closer to God and you ended up farther away. Well, how, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you what happens. It's someone who wasn't spiritual is trying to give you something they don't have. It's a very, very dangerous verse. But church, if we want to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, we've got to learn how to do this. You know what? You can't restore someone who doesn't want to be restored. I, I praise God that very few times in the history of our church have we come upon someone who was not living the Bible way and we went to that person and said, Listen, uh, this is what the Bible says. Praise God, most of the time they said, I understand, and they've gotten right. 
We have many testimonies right in this room of, of people who walked away from God for a period in their lives and they came back. They were redeemed. We, we could give many, many testimonies of people who've gotten sideways. That's what the Bible says. Overtaken in a fault. There, there's been an issue. There's been a problem. You know one of the greatest things you can do to restore someone who's been overtaken in a fault? Pray for them. Do you know, ten times out of ten, someone who's overtaken in a fault is very aware of the fact that they've been overtaken in a fault? I mean... Stop and look at your own life. Has there ever been a time when things weren't right that you didn't know that they weren't right? Hello? So don't go around telling people that things are wrong. They already know that. What we need is to be restored. How many of you have ever been encouraged or drawn closer to the Lord because another person came beside you and helped you? Amen? I would hope through the Sunday school, and we've had many testimonies on Sunday night, through the preaching, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, that things in your life would be brought to light by the Scriptures. And things that are missing will be put in place. You see, the Word of God is what we're missing. Amen? And we need to be restored. And that happens in a spirit of meekness. Because we need to understand something. There is no temptation hath taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. But God is the one that provides the way of escape. And when we fail to take his escape, we sin. And when we sin, here's what David said. Let's turn to Psalm 51. Let's just turn there for a moment. Psalm 51. This is the great psalm of repentance that David wrote after he was convicted of his sin with Bathsheba. And and you need to understand that this didn't happen in a week, but this was months and months, this entire process before that he was uh, acknowledged his sin, that he was judged a sinner. David thought he had covered it up. And Bathsheba thought that no one knew, and then the prophet comes in. The child's already been born. That that takes nine months. That's how long this process had been going on. And finally, Nathan puts his finger in David's face and said, You're the man. And David acknowledges his sin, and then the child gets sick and takes an entire week before... The child dies and David deals with that. And finally, after this whole thing has gone, he comes and he writes this song about forgiveness. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. He says, Restore unto me what? 
the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You know something? You can lose your joy. There's a lot of things you can lose in the Christian life. And this morning, what I'm asking you to do is is to take a few moments and, number one, have I been redeemed? Number two, is there something missing? Am, Am I missing the joy of my salvation? Am I missing out on the blessings that God has in my life? Is my soul kind of thin? You see, that happens sometimes. And what we need is to be restored. I I hate that song because every country singer has sung it. Uh, It starts out, uh, uh, someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you... And the chorus is really nice. It is no secret what God can do. But you ought not be a professional slipper if you're singing that song. Amen? Do Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if you're doing the Nashville circuit, you have no right to sing about what God can do because... You're doing the devil's business, not God's business. You see, when we are overtaken in a fault, when we sin, we need to be restored. We can use fellowship with other people. We can use fellowship with God. Praise God, you never lose your sonship. But you can lose your joy. And the only way you're going to get it back is it needs to be restored. Something's lost. It's got to be replaced. You've got to get a new stock. It's not something that comes from you. It's, It's something that you have lost. And I'll tell you what. His mercy... Endureth forever, does it not? And we can go back to Jesus and we can be restored. And we can be restored in our fellowship to God and to our fellow man. You know, you have no right to hold something against another person based on the fact that Jesus has already paid for their sin upon the cross. That's where forgiveness comes from. I don't forgive people their wrongs against me because I'm such a good person. Well, that's easy for you, Pastor. You just walk so close to the Lord. No, it's not any easier for me than it is for you. But I'll tell you what, it's really easy to forgive other people when I realize that the same Jesus that forgave me has already paid the price for that sin. And I'm going to forgive them Not because I'm good, but because Jesus is. You see, restoration. That's putting something back 
that once was there, that's gone, that's been lost, that's been taken away. And so Jesus restored. That's why David said, He restoreth my soul. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, I already know everything you need before you ask. But I'm not going to give it to you unless you ask. And so, if you find yourself a little short today, if you find yourself something missing, something that should be there that isn't, something that once was there that isn't, let's take some time during the time of invitation and come up to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, the only place I can get what I lost is from you. He redeemed us. He will restore but what's the last word? The last word is renew. Let's turn to uh, the book of Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans chapter 12. I think we're going to have to preach some more topical sermons here. Get everybody's fingers all limbered up, turning through the Bible. Amen? Maybe we'll have some sword drills on the family fun night. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what the word renew means. To do over again. To make new or as new again. To restore to the same condition as one new, young, or fresh. To restore, establish, to set up again, to bring back into use or existence. You see, restoring is replacing something that was lost. Renewing is kind of fixing something you have that's not working right. Renewing, sometimes what you have to do to an automobile is you have to get some rubbing compound and go through and Grind off all the dirt and the accumulated tar and everything and then polish it. And what have you done? You've renewed the finish. You haven't repainted the car. You just got rid of all that stuff that was hindering its appearance. And we need to be renewed on a regular basis. You know why? How many of you know what happens to a knife when you use it? Gets dull, doesn't it? And you don't have to hack cardboard boxes for a knife to get dull. If if you use it to cut tomatoes or anything that takes a very sharp knife, you'll notice that just a few slices and it needs to be sharpened up again. Uh, our house seems to be full of dull knives because I don't have time to sharpen them the way that I should. And, and you're not cutting a whole new edge, all you're doing is taking the edge that is there and cleaning it up. And it works 
so much better when it's sharp, doesn't it? And we talk about renewing, uh, the Bible here talks about renewing our mind. And uh, that we need to have our mind renewed because what that's going to do is that's going to transform us. There was a psychologist that came fairly close to this a while back, but then he added a whole bunch of garbage to it and he uh, uh, started talking about stinking thinking. Uh, you're just thinking wrong. If we could get you thinking right, everything would be all right. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. But I'll tell you, wrong thinking will get you in a lot of trouble when it comes to the Word of God. Uh, the best way I know how to put it is if everything was actually in the Bible that everybody thought was in there, there'd be no library in the world big enough to hold the book. Uh, I mean, everybody thinks the Bible says all this stuff. It doesn't say it. We spend so much time chasing our own thoughts and trying to get the Bible to agree with us when it's absolutely the other way around. We need to start agreeing with the Bible. Amen? That is the renewing process. Sometimes renew and restore have a lot of overlap there. But if we're going to keep walking in that way, this is what the Bible was talking about in Second Timothy where it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for, what's the last one? Instruction in righteousness. You see, that's the one we need the most after you're saved. Amen? To keep walking in the way. To keep from repeating those same mistakes. That when we're restored, we need to be renewed. Uh, Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 2 Corinthians 4.16 for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. This renewing, you know, that's one of the reasons. I have it right here. Daily Bible reading schedules. That's why we give these out. You know how you're going to get renewed? Reading God's Word. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody and I don't want to tempt someone to lie so that they'll look better in, in the eyes, but if we were to have a raise of hands, how many of us read our Bible every day? A lot of hands wouldn't go up be scary thing. Yet, how are we going to be renewed if we don't talk to God in prayer? But our prayer, if we're going to learn how to pray the way we ought to, has to come from the Word of God now, doesn't it? 
we, we need to be in the Word. We need to be renewed. And we need to be renewed day by day. But I want you to get something very careful here. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I'm going to quote to you Titus 3. Read Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, there is a work that the Holy Spirit does when we are saved. He puts us into Jesus Christ. And praise God, we never have to come up for air. That's what the baptism of the Spirit is. It's salvation. It's being put into Jesus Christ. It is not speaking in tongues. It is not any of these other things that people uh, attribute to it. It's just simple, good old-fashioned Bible salvation. Redemption. It is being saved. The reason I bring you here to Hebrews chapter 6 and the point that we're trying to make here in verse 6. Now, what Paul is doing is he is giving us a hypothetical situation. What, what he is doing is he is saying, listen, verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... That's talking about a saved person because the next one's tasted of the heavenly gift. That's definitely a saved person. Made partakers of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be a saved person to be a partaker of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And have tasted of the good word of God and the powers to come. If a saved person, verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again, Unto repentance. You see, there's a lot of people that preach you can lose your salvation. But here's what the Bible says. If you could lose it, you're never getting it back. You can't renew your salvation. Because redemption is the purchase price paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. It is the rewriting of God's condemnation to us by Jesus taking that condemnation and judgment upon Himself. If you could lose that, you could never get it again because you will have exceeded what Jesus did on the cross. And see, the rest of the verse reiterates that, but it has a slightly different pronoun involved here. It says, seeing they, not you, not God, these that fall away, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. How do you get saved? By believing the redemption, redemptive work of Jesus on the cross paid the price for your sins. Isn't that true? What does this person do? They say, Oh, that's not enough. That person never was saved and never will be unless they stop trying to 
renew something they never had. You can't renew something you don't own. Amen? If you're going to get saved, you've got to come to Jesus Christ. He does the saving. You can never lose that salvation. But you can lose a lot of other things. You can lose your joy. You can lose your fellowship with God. You can lose your fellowship with other men, uh, other people. But you can get restored. If you've got a problem with another person, you know what the best thing to start restoring is? Between you and God first. Amen? Then the Lord begins to do that process. But there's a lot of things that just need to be renewed every day. I don't know about you. I have a whole sermon. One of these days I'm going to get it out again on distractions. How many of you are easily distracted? I'll be honest, I'm really easily distracted. Especially when I'm doing paperwork and things that I don't want to do in the first place. How about you? Has anybody else had that problem? Uh, Distractions come a whole lot easier when I'm doing something I don't want to do. But you know what? There is nothing in me except the Holy Spirit of God that wants to do right. And we're so easily distracted in our walk with the Lord, are we not? That's why we've got to be renewed day by day. We've got to understand what is important and what is, well, the words they use is the difference between important and urgent. How many of you know the difference? Uh, if you've ever taken a time management course, those are the key words that they use. Well, the Bible says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We're supposed to put on that new man, the Lord Jesus Christ, each and every day. Amen? How are we going to do that? Well, the Bible says it's renewed in knowledge. That's why we have to read our Bible. That's why we have to pray. That's why we have to surrender to the Lord each and every day. Uh, To be redeemed is to reset God's judgment that has already been levied against us because of our sin. The word deemed is judgment. Redeemed is to rewrite God's judgment because Jesus took it for us. But after our salvation, we need to be restored. If we step out of the way, if we sin, if we fail, if we're overtaken in the fault, we need to be restored because we've lost something. But I'll tell you what. Each and every day we need to be renewed. And the more time we spend renewing, the less time we'll spend restoring. Amen? And there's a process that God wants to lead us in so that we can walk with Him each day. And all God's people said,
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You, and Lord, we ask that we would take these next few moments here and evaluate ourselves and our relationship with You.